Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Our Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Our second Bible reading is from Romans chapter 14, verses 13 to 23. Romans chapter 14, verses 13 to 23. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, Do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I lived for a year in Cologne when there was a West Germany. And every time I went to town to shop, I had to visit Cologne Cathedral. Outside, the cathedral impresses by its sheer bulk and size. It took 800 years to complete. There was a crane sitting on one of its spires for 800 years waiting for the final bricks to be prepared. But there's nothing like walking inside Cologne Cathedral that takes your breath away. Nothing from the outside prepares you for an experience of the light and the space, the beauty, the order and stability of the building when you enter it. Nothing can prepare you for it. Every time I entered, the impact would take my breath away. For it was built as a palace for the king of kings to dwell in. Now, in the last few weeks, we've been looking at the theme of the kingdom of God in the scriptures. In the first week, I tried to explain how all the world belongs to God. There's Cologne Cathedral, but it might have appeared too late on the screen. (laughs) I've tried to show how all the world belongs to God, but the kingdom of God is that part of the world where people no longer contest his rule, but submit joyfully and praise him for it. All the world is under God's rule, but the kingdom of God are those folk who deliberately bow the knee, who do not resist his rule. And last week, I tried to explain that the kingdom of God, the best thing we can do for the kingdom of God is to enter it, to preach it, to pray for it, and to encourage others to enter it as well. But having entered it, what's it like to dwell there? Having entered the kingdom, what's it like to live there? It's beautiful. For it's a community of love. Now, Paul wrote Romans to help Jews and Gentiles live together under the Lordship of Christ. 
And by the time we get to our reading today from Romans 14, 13 to 23, these themes are being drawn to a head. Paul wants Jews and Gentiles in the church at Rome to be patient with each other, to forego their own liberties for the sake of love. Being aware of the sensitivities of others, he thinks it's better to reduce your freedom to improve your fellowship. More freedom might actually impair the fellowship. It might not surprise us then to learn that the only time Paul uses the phrase kingdom of God in Romans is here in Romans 14. Because it's in these chapters that Paul is speaking about how believers should live together, what it's like to live together under God's lordship, what it's like to be part of the kingdom. Verse 14, 17 is the heart of it, perhaps the heart of the whole book of Romans. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, speaking about how they were debating how you should take idle meats or how they were thinking about the rituals they conducted each week, not merely having food and having drink. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, the debate we've just heard, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Living in the kingdom, brothers and sisters, is not merely about what we do, our activities, but about our attitudes to each other. The kingdom of God is about virtues, but virtues that don't make me stronger, but virtues that make us stronger. The kingdom of God is not about our values, but our bonds. It's a vision for the way the world could yet, will yet be. Belonging to the kingdom is expressed not in our rules, but in our relationships. Kingdom works about more about who we are than what we do. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, the righteousness that God gives as a gift, a theme of Romans. The, the peace that God gives having been reconciled to him, the joy we have in the Holy Spirit. I, I actually think that Romans fourteen seventeen should be the motto of Ridley. It's a beautiful picture of what our common life is. For we might disagree on any of the matters of food and drink. In our context, the things that we might disagree are how we understand the millennium, how we understand men and women in ministry, how we understand spiritual gifts, how we understand seven-day creation. There might be lots of food and drink matters that we disagree on, but we need to do that as kingdom people in the context of love. Let us pursue, Paul says, what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I want people to be reformed in their theology, and I spend a lot of time here teaching that 
in history or theology. But there's no point in being reformed if we have hard and unforgiving hearts. <coughs> now, Jesus warns us in speaking about the kingdom that it should produce fruit. In speaking to the Pharisees, in Matthew 21, Jesus says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The kingdom is a kingdom of love. And one of the central ways that Jesus describes how we love each other is to forgive each other. In Matthew 18, Peter comes to Jesus and asks a question. Matthew 18, 21. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? The rabbis had said three was probably enough. But Jesus answers, 18, 22, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And if you know the story of Genesis chapter 4, where Lamech was going to take revenge 70 times 7, Jesus is saying, your forgiveness has to go beyond that kind of revenge taking that Lamech committed himself to. It seems like there's no end to our forgiving. So Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom, what it's like to live together under his rule. He says, verse 23, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts, settle debts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, this is a ridiculous amount, 10,000 bags of gold might be hundreds and hundreds of years of work. One talent was 20 years wages. So these thousand talents, it's almost ridiculous. How can anyone pay that back? Since that servant was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. It's unlikely, if he, even if he did sell all that, that there'd be enough in the pot to pay the king back. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay everything back. It's a hollow Claim. But the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. He released the debt and he released the servant. But, verse 28, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, a hundred denarii, almost nothing, probably a hundred days' work. He grabbed that man and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He responded with violence. 
for such a piddling, such a ridiculous amount of debt. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. And it could have been possible to recoup that, to pay the servant. But the other refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Perhaps uh, those who were torturing him could find new ways of motivating him to find that 20,000 years of earnings to pay them back. The jailers wanted to torture him until he should pay back all he, all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart, Jesus said. It's a very basic lesson. When we've learned to appreciate, to celebrate the forgiveness that we've been offered, we should be able to learn how to forgive others too. How can we expect to live in the kingdom where Christ our King has forgiven us our sins but not extend that forgiveness to those, our brothers and sisters around us? Tom Wright says in his commentary, Christian forgiveness is like breathing. You can breathe, only breathe it out if you first breathed it in. It's inconceivable, Jesus is saying, that Christians would not forgive But it's also inconceivable in our world when we do. In February 2020, a Maronite Christian couple in Sydney named Layla and Daniel Abdallah lost half their children in the blink of an eye when a car drove into a small crowd and killed three of their six kids. It's just breathtaking, perhaps more breathtaking from the media's perspective was how that family learned to forgive. The wife, Layla, said, I don't hate the driver. I think in my heart I forgive him, but I want the court to be fair. So often you hear folk coming out of the courtroom on TV and they say of that person who murdered someone else, I want him to burn in hell. Listen to what she's saying. I want the court to be fair. She says, forgiveness at that time, I believe, came from the Holy Spirit. I've been practising forgiveness all my life on a daily basis, she said. When you forgive your parents, your siblings, your friends, your spouse... These are all small acts of forgiveness, but overall, you have to start forgiving the little things in order to be able to forgive the big things. Isn't that just glorious? 
Death is part of life, she said. The Bible is clear, we'll all die. And we should be preparing for that day. I also believe that our children don't belong to us. They're here for us to care for them, but they are children of God and they belong to him. Our job is to get them ready to meet the Lord. It's just beautiful. Forgiveness is the key to a long-lasting relationship, she said, and it's brought our marriage closer, helping us look forward to the future. They created the I Forgive Day in honour of their children. But our world finds it easier to be outraged by injustice than to forgive each other's sins. And it's really hard in art or literature to present forgiveness without it appearing saccharine. But there's that wonderful moment in the musical Hamilton when Eliza forgives Alexander, her husband, for his infidelity. And she sings, There are moments that the words don't reach. There's a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. They're standing in the garden, Alexander by Eliza's side. She takes his hand. It's quiet uptown. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? Forgiveness. Can you imagine? And when we've seen this connection between the kingdom of God and forgiveness, we start seeing it all over the place. Have you noticed that the Lord's Prayer begins with a prayer for the kingdom to come and it ends with the kingdom's glory, but right in the middle of it is a prayer that we might be forgiven and therefore forgive others? Oh, have you noticed that in the Beatitudes, the first Beatitude begins with reference to the kingdom and so does the last, but in the middle we learn that the blessed are those who show mercy because they've received mercy. And it makes kind of sense if we're the community that belongs to the king, if we've learned that the king died for our forgiveness, the kingdom and forgiveness must go closely together. So who do you need to forgive today? As we say the Lord's Prayer this morning before communion and pass the peace, we have an opportunity to practice forgiveness, acknowledging that the great debt that's been forgiven us can be breathed out. We can pass it on to those around us at Ridley as well. But there is a caution in Matthew 18. Forgiving people doesn't mean that there's no discipline in the church. The very few verses before this parable, verses 15 to 20 of chapter 18, point this out. 
If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Doesn't say anything about forgiving them. We assume that they are to be forgiven, but that doesn't mean if we've forgiven them that we don't point out their fault. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is a right moment for pointing out what sin we cannot tolerate within the church. Some things, some sins have to be bound. Some sins have to be loosed. Forgiveness is what we breathe. But it doesn't mean that there aren't occasions in the church when we exercise discipline for the sake of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, in the community of the kingdom, love and forgiveness witness to the beauty and wisdom of the Lord. In the community of the kingdom, devoting ourselves to others' prosperity will not lead to scarcity. We don't need to fear that God's going to be stingy with us if we give away our love and forgiveness. This is a community of love and forgiveness. This is a community of abundance. No wonder Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you as well. So let me pray. Praise you, Heavenly Father, for this community. Praise you that we belong to you, our King. Praise you that in this place we can learn to love and learn to forgive. Please abundantly bless us this day that in seeking your kingdom, we'd know that all other things have been added unto us as well. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.